Hello and welcome to episode two of Captain's Vlog, the podcast for fierceturtle.co.uk, an independent blog for clipper crew in training. Today, very briefly, I'm going to talk about dry suits and whether or not they are worth considering. Um, first of all, though, I think it's worth looking at what you actually get in terms of being a race crew and my understanding of what you get, which of course may change from race to race. Normally, the race sponsor, who is currently Musto, will provide um, specific kit and that will be based around their Ocean. Normally, I think it's the HPX uh, brand for Musto. Uh, their Ocean kit, which is a shell. It's usually Gore-Tex and it's designed specifically to keep you dry or as dry as possible. And because it's Gore-Tex, it breathes so it stops water getting in and lets a certain element of moisture evaporate through the Gore-Tex and get out. And the kit is technically very good. Um, I'm a big fan of Musto, which is great because um, obviously I do work from time to time for um, for Clipper. So it's nice to be able to say nice things about their current kit sponsors. And of course, there are other good suppliers out there. So let's just have a look at why you might consider a dry suit and uh, the pros and any cons that might exist. First off then, what does a dry suit do? Why does it work? Well, the clue is in the title. It largely keeps you dry. There is potential for you to sweat inside the dry suit, so there is going to be some element of moisture probably inside a dry suit, especially if you're working hard. But again, some dry suits are Gore-Tex and the more expensive ones, and therefore they do breathe to some extent and stop water coming in, but let moisture leave. Um, most people know that if you're wet, you will get colder quicker. Um, I think I've read somewhere that you get something, you lose something like 25 times more heat when wet than when dry. So that's a, a ma massive and um, significant uh, uh, problem if you are in, if you're wet in any environment, but especially in a cold environment. So even on deck, um, a dry suit should keep you drier and therefore uh, warmer. My personal experience was that when you're on deck, as long as you wear your wear your your uh, shell, your normal fowlers, if you wear them well, in other words, you make sure that you seal up everything up, the neck and the uh, the smock and the waist and everything else, and you have a decent pair of boots and something on your head to keep your head warm, then my experience was that fowlers work pretty well on deck, and I don't think you need a dry suit when on deck. Um, if you're going to be on the foredeck a lot, then you are going to get wetter. But um, sailing in an open ocean in big weather, is good. you're going to get wet to some extent wherever you are on the deck. So I think the, the big thing really is what happens if you go into the water. Now, of course, going overboard, which is what we're talking about, is um, a very significant danger. Once you're in the water, um, you only have a limited amount of survival time. Um, this varies dependent on body type and person and the environment that within which you find yourself. But some people have survived a very long time indeed in very cold weather. 
Um, I mean, even during the 79 Fastnet, there were several people that were found in the water after several hours and were still alive. Now, unfortunately, in most cases, they then suffered from something um, caused by um, hydrostatic shock, um, which is uh, something you will have learned about in your sea survival. But um, in terms of keeping you alive, a dry suit will obviously keep you warmer and therefore reduce that heat loss. You need to make sure, though, that you wear warm clothing underneath and that goes into layering which I've talked about in episode one. So uh, what sort of sea temperatures are we talking about where this is specifically a problem? Well probably anything between anything up to about 10 degrees centigrade so most oceans are going to be three to ten degrees centigrade at some point during the year and um, that's considered pretty cold. Um, if you go into that sort of water without a dry suit then you can expect that you're going to be uh, losing dexterity very quickly and mental acuity and within 30 to 60 minutes you'll be entirely exhausted or uh, even unconscious and of course once you're unconscious in the water um, you, you can't protect yourself from waves etc that's why we wear a hood in our dry suit in our um, sorry in our life jackets that's why we pull, pull a hood over us to uh, to help to protect us against waves coming over the mouth um, so is a dry suit worthwhile? I think the answer is it's an insurance policy. And if you can afford a dry suit, and if you're sailing in a cold ocean, and by that I probably mean if you are going to be on parts of leg one, leg two, leg three, leg four, even parts of leg five, uh, well, probably leg five is, is now warm because you're not, as I understand it, going up to Qingdao these days. Uh, so leg five probably be okay. Leg six, certainly. Um, leg seven, the beginning of leg seven and uh, parts of leg eight. So there are cold ocean elements to all of those, but um, the Southern Ocean and the North Pacific are the specific very cold ones with the South Atlantic and the Southern Ocean leg on leg two also being relevant. So, um, should you wear one? Should you spend the money on one? Well, it's going to come down to more than just that, I suppose. The, the, the thing is, you're also limited in terms of the amount of kit that you can carry on board because there's only limited space. So, you have to start thinking, well, if you're going to carry a dry suit, are you also carrying your other Fowler shell, which you probably would want to, in which case you're carrying two lots of Fowlers, which does take up quite a bit of space. Uh, there are ways around that. You can, you could go for... Um, uh, something called a mid-layer dry suit, uh, Ursuit, do an MPS, which is uh, the sort of thing I'm talking about. And those are cheaper. They are designed to go over your warmer layers and under your shell, your existing shell. So they're worth considering. Um, they're probably about 700 euros, something like that. Um, Fierce Turtle sell them, um, although limited amount in stock at the moment. Um, and... I've heard rave reviews from those people that have bought them. They weigh about a kilo and they pack down to the size of a very small sleeping bag, um, sort of camping sleeping bag. So they are quite efficient and quite useful in that respect. They're Gore-Tex and they have, um, which brings me on to something else, they have neoprene seals. So if you have a latex um, allergy, you may just find that neoprene will get around that problem. 
um, that's something you'd obviously have to look at yourself. Neoprene is a stiffer, sort of um, waterproof, um, what do you call it, um, wetsuit style um, material, so it's thicker and stiffer. Latex is much softer, probably more susceptible to damage. Um, in some ways more comfortable because it's not so stiff, but it's also tighter, so it's normally tight around your neck, which can be uncomfortable. So you have to pay your money and take your choice, but um, certainly it's worth considering options when it comes to dry suit. The other thing is, um, in terms of cost, yeah, I mean, dry suits are normally, well, they can be, they can vary dramatically, but they're probably from about six or seven hundred euros up to about, or oh, two or three thousand euros. And uh, my understanding is that uh, sort of the Musto HPX is, is probably something like about a thousand pounds. Um, although if you're Clipper crew listening to this, uh, my understanding there is that you get a discount. So another option is to buy secondhand. Uh, Fierce Turtle have a secondhand page, which some of you may have seen with pre-use kit. And there are several dry suits on there at any one time, as there are also ocean sleepwear, sleeping bags and boots and other bits and pieces. So if you're on a budget or you just don't like throwing money down the toilet, it's worth considering good quality secondhand kit. And um, I would refer you to the Fierce Turtle pre-use pages to have a look at that. There's a private adverts by um, uh, members of Fierce Turtle. One other thing which is probably worth just mentioning is ease of use and convenience. Obviously, when you're on a race yacht or any yacht, you are expected to be on deck for your watch in good time and given that you're likely to be in some sort of watch system possibly four hours on four hours off using your off time off watch time to greatest effect i.e eating sleeping and washing means that uh, you want to leave it to the last possible minute most people do anyway to get out of your bunk and if you've got to put a dry suit on it's going to add a little bit of time to getting ready, especially in a crowded um, saloon area below decks when um, you're all trying to um, get on deck at the same time and perhaps some of you are still eating, etc. So that's the only other thing I, I would mention is that um, in terms of ease of use, I found that um, getting a dry suit on and off took longer. And if there's an all hands call to deck, you're probably going to go for your normal foul list rather than a dry suit simply because it's going to take that much longer to get on deck. So that was my experience, and that's generally what I felt happened. I just felt guilty spending more time uh, than everybody else getting ready. And obviously it's a cardinal sin to get to deck after the watch change. So something worth considering is that um, ease of use with a dry suit is also potentially an issue. Um, so in conclusion, is it worth it? It's an insurance policy. If you go in the water and you're not clipped on for whatever reason, which would obviously be your first option is to stay clipped, then your biggest next danger is going to be exposure and hypothermia. And if you go over in harsh conditions, which is when you're most likely, of course, to go overboard at night in big weather, getting back to you and getting you out of the water successfully is a challenge. It's something, of course, that all crews train for on a regular basis and so it's something that um, um, you should be pretty confident is going to be uh, in your favor but it can take time 
and getting back to somebody in those conditions can be difficult and to pick them out of the water more so. So time is what you need to buy and that's what a dry suit gives you. Dry suit's going to perhaps extend your survival time by, well, off the top of my head, I'd say probably 300%. So whereas without a dry suit in very cold water, you might be looking at, you know, 30 to 60 minutes as a maximum. Um, in um, in in a dry suit with proper mid-layers, etc., um, you could be looking at extending that by 300%, so three times longer. And if you no one plans to go overboard so if you are that unfortunate person that goes overboard and for the, for some reason or other you're not clipped on then you might well find that a dry suit is that one thing that um just saves your life um so it's a tricky one to some extent i'd say it depends on where you're going to be on the boat if you're going to be on the foredeck a lot which is obviously a more active and more exposed part of the boat then it's certainly um, worth considering especially on the colder legs the southern ocean and north pacific legs um, if you're not, if you're going to be on some of the warmer legs, like leg one, leg seven, where most of the leg is warm, leg five, then a dry suit, I mean, leg, leg five, a dry suit's really of no point at all. I mean, you, you, the heat is the problem with leg five. So the same in most of leg one and the most of leg seven. So, and even large parts of leg eight. So correction, no, not leg eight, um, leg seven. So, um, so yeah, so you, you need to think about it long and hard, I suppose. Um, uh, I had one after leg one on the 2011-12 race. I bought a Musto HPX just because I was on the foredeck a lot and um, it's pretty wet up there. So um, I wore it probably 35% of the time when I was on deck. And bizarrely, the few times that I really could have done with it when we had very bad weather and we were sort of knocked down or things like that, um, I didn't actually have the dry suit on. Uh, so, uh, I was lucky in that I, I was, um, I was fortunate that I didn't go overboard, um, and therefore that it didn't need to be tested to its fullest extent. But from a comfort perspective, I wouldn't have said it kept me noticeably drier on deck, um, uh, or noticeably warmer. In fact, if anything, it's slightly thinner material in my experience and the, the smock and the salopettes probably work better keeping the wind off you. So... That's probably as far as I need to go with this. I don't want to make this longer than it needs to be. I will be addressing some other bits and pieces over the next few weeks on different episodes, uh, including the pros and cons of some of the legs that I haven't mentioned in previous blogs. And I hope that this is of some interest to you. If, uh, if you want to subscribe, then please do so. If you would like to send me a voice message um, through the Anchor FM app, then just download the app onto your phone and then you'll be able to follow me on that app and send messages to me. You can post messages on the YouTube channel where this is also posted. And um, uh, I will put some useful links in the uh, in the description box relating to dry suits. Thanks again for listening and uh, please subscribe if you haven't already. This podcast is entirely independent and in no way endorsed by the wonderful folks at the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race, Clipper Training, or Clipper Ventures.